Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. Let's dig in. Ruth chapter 3, whole chapter. We're not going to get through it all because I did not get through it all in first service. I thought we would, so I got to pace myself. Somebody say, Pastor, pace yourself. pace yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's dig in. Uh, we'll go to about verse 11. On three, go. One, two, three, go. Amen, 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 amen. I want you to look at somebody that's the closest to you. And I want you to say, neighbor, neighbor. I got something to tell you. I don't know where you are, and I don't know where you've been. But things in your life, in your life are, beginning are beginning to come, to come full, circle. full circle. Look at somebody else and say, neighbor. I don't know where you are either, but I got a feeling that things in your life are going to become full circle. You ought to give God some praise right now. You ought to give him praise. Jesus, Jesus, through your name, we reach Yahweh's throne. Through your name, we reach it. And God, um, we beg of you, Lord God, to meet us in the life that you give us, in ways where you sometimes feel absent, so that we may know you and that life can have meaning. We bless you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
Um, there was a curriculum that came out about 27 or more years ago called Experiencing God. Anybody ever heard of that? Heard of that? Experiencing God. And one of the sequanas of that curriculum was the fact that you are to join God where he's active. That, that's one of the big things that the curriculum brings up. And as you begin to real, get in the curriculum, one of the things that, I, that, that you get to see um, is the fact that life is a cycle. Somebody say cycle. cycle. Or you can do better than that. Somebody say cycle. cycle. Your life is made up of scheduled seasons of different things that God uses as a mechanism for your growth. Uh, 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 and as you begin to see that, many believers have a challenge of knowing where in the circle of the life of Christ that they're in so that they can learn how to maximize their, the, the particular time of soul development that God has in them. Christian, you can put that up there now. An experiencing God curriculum is such a biblical idea where it says God's work. Somebody says God's work. One of the things that you'll see in life is that God is always working on you. How many of you believe that, agree with that? That, 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 that that's, that's, but, but the goal is to get to obedience and experience. That, that's the goal. The challenge, though, is we want experience without obedience. And you can't experience. See, most of us see experiencing God as a moment of worship or something that came to fruition at a particular point in time but without obedience. And because God knows we want to experience over the obedience, what he does is he puts us in process. Somebody say process. This is good. So God develops your relationship. And then what he does is he gives you an invitation to follow him in particular ways. When he gives you an invitation, he always does it by speaking to you in a fiery moment. Now, you always got to brace yourself when you get clarity from God. And I hope I get some help during this service, because I told the 9 o'clock they weren't helping me. Are y'all going to help me preach today? Amen. I need cross-ethnic voices every now and then saying amen. Amen. God, God, when God speaks, always brace yourself. Say brace yourself. Because when God clarifies something for you, you might as well brace yourself that crisis is coming. <laughs> Listen, crisis always comes as a test. Say test. In other words, it's one thing to tear up and be excited that you heard from God, but it's another thing for you to really believe that when it's tested. God will always bring a test after there's clarity. I mean, I can go through the Rolodex of Scripture and show you that every time God tells somebody something, they have a moment with him, there's a test. And, and, and that moment of crisis is to show you whether or not you just intellectually believe or you wholeheartedly, effectually believe. Effectual belief comes when your heart is married to what God said through his word. Now, just because you know it's in the word doesn't mean your heart's married to it. And because of that, God has, to, God has to put you in the crucible of a crisis so that you can see where Christ is. Yeah. In, 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 other, in, other, words, in other words, you, you, you have to have that reality and, and nothing in your life's for not. So what happens is you go through adjustment season. Now, adjustment season is God helping you to recognize what you do believe about him and what you don't believe. That adjustment is not him adjusting. Yeah. 
Let me just explain something to you. God never adjusts to you. Never, ever, ever, ever does God adjust to you. God always adjusts you to him. Now, you can decide in the adjustment season whether you're going to fight or submit. But guess what? That amps you backwards to the crisis season once again and keeps you in crisis longer. The longer you fight, God working the word into you, working what he said into you, what will happen is the adjustment becomes more painful than it has to be. Somebody need to write that down. I'm just trying to let y'all know, whenever you don't allow yourself to submit to the adjustment, uh, you, you, are all, you can't try to fit things in your life that's your will when God is showing you it's not his, and he wants you to uh, be, be adjusted to the way that he's pushing you and moving you in your life. So that once you get adjusted, then you can obey and experience because now your life is properly aligned with the cycle. Now, let me explain something to you. This is not some graduation cycle where you graduate from it and you wave bye-bye to it. <laughs> Help me. There, there is, <clears throat> it, it, this is an ever, I know, it, don't let it get depression. Because you, you, that's just the way your life going to work. You're going to go through this cycle over and over and over again. Now, there are two levels of this cycle. We see, so let, me, let me say, uh, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll come to that later. Mm. But, 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 but what, what, what you got to understand is in this is where your life is going to be. Because sometimes you're going to feel like God isn't being fair. Because you thought what you already went enough was hard enough to not have to go through anything hard again. See, see, it's, it's one thing to get over a test. It's, one, it's another thing when God causes in your narrative for him to cause you to revisit another test. See, that's when the real test happens. When God doesn't let you get away with a testless life. Because a testless life is a baby life. But God cycles you back through test as a way because that doesn't necessarily mean you're better. Why? Because how you, how you have gotten over the pain of the other test would determine how you grow through the next test. And what begins to happen once you go through it again is the, God is asking the question, has you, have you matured through your ability to process through the pain of your journey? And let me tell you something. How you process your pain is very, oh God, write this down. How you process through your pain determines your growth. That's not the point. But how you, I'm telling you how you process through your pain. <laughs> if, if, if you're not growing, you can track where you are back to how you process through your pain. Okay, first point. I got to move. First point. Uh, first point. In this reality of things are beginning to come full circle. Number one, when you realize that God is working, boldly plan. <clears throat> I think that's all I'm going to get through today. <clears throat> when, uh, when you realize that God is working, be bold in your planning. <laughs> I love this section of scripture because Naomi senses God's presence for the first time in the book. It's interesting when God begins to turn the tide of bitterness in your life. 
<clears throat> when he turns the tide of bitterness in your life, what he begins to do, you become encouraging and life-giving. <laughs> you need to drink all this in. <laughs> you know you're coming out of your season of resentment when you can think about others versus yourself. <laughs> Look what the verse says. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you? Oh, my goodness. So, look, look, this is a different person. If you remember from chapter 1, all she could talk about is her anger against God and God's hand being against her. She wanted to rename herself bitter. She wanted to name herself based on her circumstances. She told them to leave me, go seek your own situation. In other words, she began focusing, so, because bitterness makes you inwardly focused because we know, based on Hebrews 12, the root of bitterness sprouts up and defiles many. In other words, when you allow what you went through to be you, you become a person that is very toxic to be around. And when that toxicity spreads to the core of your soul, everything you say comes from that bitter place. And, and, and so what's happening now, though, is something happened in her life. She began seeing God's evidences of grace. Look, know what I like about this? Is that Naomi didn't seek to come out of this. This is the beautiful thing. God came after her. She didn't go after him. Your bitterness and your bad experience isn't bad enough for God not to start coming after you no matter what. You missed a shouting moment. I, I, like the fact that, I like the fact that God doesn't let the pain of your past and your reaction to it cause him to have a disposition of distance even though you blamed him for where you are and it was your fault. See, and, and, and God, that's, that's what the gospel does. God seeks us. We don't seek him. He draws us in. We follow him by the irresistible grace that he draws us with in the midst of our brokenness and our depravity so that we can see that he saved us, not us. And listen, God is, didn't just save you. He is saving you. Know how he's saving you? He has to save you from your reaction to your crisis. Because if you don't allow him to save you from your reaction of your crisis, our lives will be marked by it and we will be tumultuous to be around. And so what I like about what Naomi does is she tries to find rest for her. This is amazing. This is amazing that she begins saying, I want to find rest for you, my daughter. <laughs> As she begins to say, I want to find rest for you, my daughter. She, she said, I want to find rest for you so that you will be taken care of. So God restoring, listen, God wants to restore your ability to be life-giving. You ever been around somebody that you have to prepare yourself to be around? I mean, because they're so toxic that you're like, okay, Lord, I'm trying to apply the gospel right now. You understand what I'm saying? Here they come. Here they come. Okay. Uh, so so they're, they're people that you have to fight to love. But as many of us are laughing, some of us are those people. And what God wants to do is he wants to restore, he wants his people to be life-giving. So that means to be around you should be around 
an aroma of constant change. Jesus, help me. I, I, I mean, it, you, you should be a person, when you come around, just eternal popery fills the atmosphere. In other words, when someone goes through something, you grow to a point to where you begin to identify that, okay, God's shown me something. Christ is finna happen. See, that's when you know you're growing, when you're like, here it comes. Here, here it comes. It's, I just need to, I, now that doesn't mean I look for it like crisis. Come on over here. I'll bust you right. That's not how you do crisis. You understand what I'm saying? That's not, no. You're like, all right, God. Do you begin to fast? You're like, I'm going to, y'all going, I'm good. Noon, you at lunch, you go to lunch by yourself, sit in the car somewhere. And you just open your Bible and say, God, uh, <laughs> count it all joy when they encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Lord, help me. As this test comes that I know is coming, help me to get out of it when I'm supposed to get out of it and help me to finish this class quickly. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> that was good. I, I'm just telling you, I'm not, I'm not saying this as somebody that ain't never been through something. I'm saying that from somebody that's had God say a lot of stuff to me that I've needed, and even to this day, when something happens that I know that's beautiful, I'm like, uh-oh. I'm like, when is it coming, God? I don't feel like it in this season. <clears throat> and listen, you'll never feel like it. And so, and, so, and so what she does is she becomes life-giving, life-giving in a beautiful way. And there, again, know what, know what I see in this? I see with Naomi, and it helps us, that there's life on the other side of your bitterness, there's life on the other side of your crisis. If you don't know that there's life on the other side of your crisis, that's when your hope comes in. Because you're like, okay, God, the crisis is here. Adjust me. Adjust me. Adjust me to where I need to be. But many of us don't want to be adjusted. We just want the quick process. I remember back in the 80s when Rubik's Cube came out. You remember that? Rubik's Cube first came out. Well, nah. Some of y'all, I'm sorry, y'all don't remember when Ruby School came out. And one of the things you want to do, I was just glad to get, you know, one or two of them to two colors. You know, you understand what I'm saying? But then you start, you know, some people, you know, do, do it in like 10 seconds, make me mad, right? But it's interesting when people, I remember a friend of mine, he had a Rubik's Cube, and it was so out of whack, he couldn't, he, he wasn't patient with the process of adjusting it so that he can learn how to get the colors in place. So what he did was he took the stickers off. <laughs> he took the stickers off and put them in places that the manufacturer never meant for it to be, which messed up its placement for the game to work right. Some of us in our life want to short circuit God's adjustment process and we want to take the stickers off and we want to replace them and put them in other places and wondering why when we're trying to work with things, nothing happens. It's because you don't get to short circuit God's process by trying to make your own adjustments to what God wants to do in your life. You got to go through the whole thing and you got to learn the whole thing, family. Got to learn the whole thing. And that's the beauty of being his. I, but I like what she says, how she wants to give. 
be life-giving. When she, in, in wanting to be life-giving, she says, I want you to find rest. Oh, God, help me pause there. I'm going to give some free stuff away, too. There's some free stuff in here that you just can't run around. But finding rest here is interesting. It's not, the, it's not Shabbat. It's different. It has a mixture of Shabbat and Shalom. It's a mixture of the beauty of the idea of Sabbath being rest peace being um, everything in the midst of conflict being in order. In other words, it speaks to tranquility, peace, satisfaction, and security. This idea of security is a big word within the definition because security is what many women in Israel wanted. Matter of fact, it's universal to a lot of women. In other words, because they were widows, and, and, and one of the ways in which you sought security is through male covering. Somebody say male covering. Now, I know we, in, you know, I'm going to give you some stuff for free real quick. This is just for free. Okay? All right? So, um, this is actually universal. Even if you want to be on your boss chick, there's something in you that lets you know that your business and your financial acumen of independence isn't enough covering for you. <clears throat> and so therefore, it's nothing wrong with wanting a man who covers you well. Okay, I'm gonna see if I can make it plain. Because see, some of y'all acting like y'all don't know what I'm talking, well, maybe not. So let's break that down. Let's help you. See, you gotta have somebody that doesn't wanna just cover your body. You, you, you got to have somebody that covers your soul. Let, let, me, free some, let me free some okay looking brothers up. Oh, don't y'all act like y'all don't be looking to judge how somebody. Let me tell you how you deal with your okayness. Just admit it. Everybody like, I'm fly, I'm on fleek. Okay, bro, you know. <laughs> All right. You got a keg instead of a six-pack. Okay, let's work. Know how you overcome that? Go on beast mode for Jesus. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this. The worst thing for you ladies is to have a fine bum. Because let me tell you, fineness wears out when he ain't a leader. I'm just telling you, y'all better listen to Pastor Moore. I'm just trying to let y'all know. If that Bama can't, that's my DC, my bad, this Philly. If, I'm just letting you know, man, if homie can't pray for you ever, If he, come here, babe, if he always like this, if he, every time y'all together, he, he got his hand on your hipology. You know, no, so sit down. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little, um, help me. Can't do that. Can't do that. Hallelujah. Um, that is not going to work. 
Um, Cause she looking extra, just. <laughs> I hit the hip and I was like, can't go no further. We in the gathering. Just the, the waistline just went in and I was like, well, help me today. Help me today. But if a man, if a man is not an initiator, help me, you have to beg him for everything that he should be passionate about for the household. Ain't nobody going to talk back to me today. See, nobody, I mean, so what? He fine. Fine, fine at what? Listen, you can have a guy that needs some, a trainer. But he's, he has vision. Help me today. He has goals. And he's willing to think about you in the midst of that goal planning. And listen, he's, uh, listen, you have to have that. That's the idea of this security here. Is she seeking for her what God has anointed a man to be in a woman's life? In other words, she's saying, I'm going to bypass my need for this, even though I'm a little bit older. You're a young girl. It's still stuff available for you. I want to seek the security that you need to be functionally covered as a young woman. You, by God's grace, have been created to be covered, not to cover. This is the last thing for free. Some of y'all got to stop being a covering for him. You were not meant, that doesn't mean you can invest in a husband. You can't invest in him. But if you got to, if you always the one praying, if you're the only one that has a job, but then he just quitting a job. I'm, me and my boss, I just got mad at him. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, God ain't, I mean, you know, I felt the spirit just, you know, I was like, uh, you know, I'm going to the next thing. If he starts initiative after initiative without following through on anything and you're not married yet, do the forest and run. Now, men, this is for you because this ain't to beat you up. Be a covering. How you be a covering? Not dating her yet. I, I, I was going to wait, but I'm going to give it all. I'm going to tell y'all right now, don't be a covering until you're walking as a mature Christian. Because all your immaturity is going to do is sell tickets you can't cash. See, I'm just letting you know, when you jump the broom and get home, it's no more faking. That means you got to be pursuing God not to get married, but because it's right. And listen, I'm just letting you know, my prayer for us is that we got some, some stone cold, husky, godly, beast mode men who ready, posted, ready to cover, and some godly, unthirsty women.
If I see one more of my sweet sisters in Christ, hashtag boo, I'm going to scream in other tongues. I'm just letting you know, thirst isn't attractive. God has put in a man to want to pursue what's hard to get, beca not because you're playing hard to get, but because you have standards. I'm trying to stop, y'all. I'm trying to stop. See, so I'm trying to stop. <laughs> But see, but see, some of us ain't got nary a standard because we've been through some stuff and we think the clock is ticking or some of our uh, devices are running out. And because of that, we lower the bar and for ourselves and for other men. And then we keep getting hurt because we lowered the bar and realize, don't realize we lowered the bar and blame it on his immaturity when you knew he was a man boy. Anyway, <laughs> and so in finding rest, finding rest and tranquility, that, that means you're, you're already going to have crisis in relationship, but immaturity maximizes crisis. So, you, so, so let me just give you this last thing for free. I promise I'm gone from that point. You cannot grow a man spiritually. Just because you found your physical preferences and wish it had your spiritual desires, you have to be very careful of invading the privacy of a man's sanctification for the purposes of being your spouse when the Holy Spirit is the one that grows people. So some of y'all need to break up. <laughs> because the only reason he's here is because of you. And the only reason that you're with him is because you think I'm going to say something to grow him in a way that you need to let him go to God to grow him in. I'm done. Finding rest. Finding rest. Finding rest. Finding rest. And so when we look at this reality of her wanting to find rest, she's thinking sacrificially. Somebody say sacrificially. When you begin on the other side of your pain and brokenness to think sacrificially, that's how you know God is working some stuff out in your life. Look at what happens. It says now, is it, now I, I like the way Naomi's going about this in a way, right? She says, now, Boaz is, it, 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 uh, now isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female service? In other words, <clears throat> hasn't God brought you in proximity to him through his providence, right? It says, this evening he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. In other words, he's going to work hard at the end of the day, and he's going to be tired. And so once he does this, some people think she's scheming here. In other words, some people think that because she's trying to sort of make something happen, because if you look at verse 3, it says, wash, that's a good thing, <laughs> put on perfume oil, and wear your best clothes. She's setting her up. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you are there until, I like the way she calls him the man. I just, I don't know why, I just like that. 
there until he is finished eating and drinking. When he lies down and notice the place where he's lying, go in and cover his feet. This is some covert operations ministry. <laughs> but what she does is she does something good, but that can also be bad. Because what happens is, and this is the beauty of being in Christ. This can be taken two ways. To uncover his feet can actually be translated to uncover his genitals. To play on which one it can be. Commentators go both directions. I believe it can be either or and have application for both. Let's take, for instance, if she's doing this as a way to say that I'm available to be your spouse, plus I'm available for a sexual favor for this to happen. Now, know what I, know what I like about God? This, this, I'm just give you this. I don't know about you, <clears throat> but I've seen God work in my life. I've seen him open doors and do different things. And I don't know about you, but you ever had a good, just good morning with the Lord in prayer and in the word? Then during the course of the day, you act like it never happened. Okay. I'm going to come this time. Maybe they were a little more real. Um, and you act like it never happened, and you begin to mess up through a stupid decision what God is working out in your life. Am I talking to anybody? You ever seen God working in your life and your stupidity gets awakened? And you begin to start doing something that impedes upon destiny. Know what I like about the text? That even if she is offering a sexual favor, God doesn't allow it to happen. In other words, this is the grace of the gospel. Even when you want to mess up your narrative. <laughs> Nobody going to talk back. Even when you want to destroy your trajectory, the grace of the gospel overrides your stupidity and my stupidity. And God said, I'm not going to let your frivolous, fleshly, fornicized mind mess up the trajectory that I have for you because I love you enough to not let what you did get in the way of what I want to do. And I'm going to move in your life whether you like it or And some of you have done some stuff where your whole situation should be off track. But God covered it. You don't know when to shout. God covers stuff from your past that you haven't gotten over. God has covered some mistakes that you made. And he's still, that's the beauty of being in Christ. Is that he doesn't let our futile actions hijack our road in our journey with him to show him off. Know why? Because your journey is more than just about you. That's why he says he one of the redeemers. She seeks redemption. She's pursuing redemption. Why would you pursue redemption? You should pursue. Know what I like about it? She calls herself, your servant is here. He notices her. After he, he said, who that? And he gets up. They start talking, and she says, 
This is what I like about God. This is amazing. I'm done. Promise. <sighs> Even in the midst of this possible mistake, error, or proper communication. She sits up and he says, who is that? He says, your, she says, your servant is here. Don't move nowhere else. Because the word servant, remember last week, I told you that she used a debasing term of servitude for herself. Because that's how she viewed herself. But guess what God does? Something happened within her where she used a servitude term of equality that makes her speak higher of herself than she did already. And what God does through Jesus Christ is he upgrades what we think about ourselves. He's, he's always trying to get us to think of ourselves not based on our depravity. He wants us to live in light of who he has created us to be. I don't know who I am preaching to today, but some of you have some stuff that's happened to you, and you've named yourself that situation. Some of you are still wrestling to get over your stuff, and God is trying to graduate your view of your identity. Notice I said view. Your identity is already different, but your view of it isn't always redemptive. And God is like, I, I'm, I, I don't want this to be your disposition of your life. I want to upgrade it through the redemption that Christ bring on the cross. And Christ ultimately is the narrative changer and the redeemer of our story that takes us from one place of glory to another place of glory to another place of glory to another place of glory, continuing to help us to maximize our ability to glorify him. So today, give up on the old self. Crucify that punk. Let go of who you were, embrace who God wants you to be, and listen, your good works, even if you cooperated with God, still doesn't get you what God has to give because Christ was the one that gave you the desire. Matter of fact, your best day when you thought you killed it, it was filled with emotive. But even in you pursuing holiness and moving forward, Christ covers the emotive in order that it may be acceptable to God as a mechanism for moving forward. Somebody missed that today. So, I'm done. One point out of three. Things are beginning to come full circle. Diagram up. Diagram up, please, Christian. Yeah. Where are you at? Where are you? Here. Are you in a crisis of belief? Are you in your adjustment season? Are you in your <laughs> obeying experience season? Or is God giving you an invitation today? My prayer is this, is that we as believers will learn where we are and maximize that place to the glory of the living God. Father, we honor you. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was 
aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give, and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.